0: Welcome to part one of Health Systems CIO's interview with Dr. Richard Zane, Chief Innovation Officer at UC Health. In this segment, Dr. Zane talks about his team's strong focus on leveraging digital health and intelligence to make better decisions around care, the two key questions that should be asked before moving forward with innovation, and why establishing trust is so critical when working with providers. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR. Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare see your whole patient. Visit HighlandHealthcare.com to learn more. I have two roles. Uh, One is I'm the Chief Innovation Officer for UC Health, and UC Health is University of Colorado Health. We are one of the larger systems in Colorado, uh, 12 hospitals up and down the Front Range, and a relatively new healthcare system. Mm -hmm. We were formed in 2012. Uh, My other role is I'm the academic chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. So I have really a dual role. I'm an academic chair. And in that role, I have oversight for a a very large clinical department, which includes by 180 faculty, a residency training program, research program, and educational program. And then in my chief innovation officer role, I work almost exclusively in the area of digital health and intelligence. Um, okay. Digital health and intelligence have come to mean everything and nothing to people. I like to say that we work on intelligence sort of writ large, but what we really do is focus in a very pragmatic and ethnographic way at the front line of healthcare delivery and help providers, executives, managers make better decisions. That's how I describe it, and other people will describe that as digital health, intelligence, clinical decision support, AI, augmented intelligence, all different kinds of things. But for us, very pragmatically, it's making better decisions around healthcare. And that could be anywhere from one end of the spectrum to the other, meaning it could be helping an oncologist pick the right chemotherapeutic agent for a patient with acute leukemia to how does a CEO think about deploying capital in an environment where there's virtual care and bricks and mortar care to how we best schedule operating rooms and infusion centers. So really the spectrum around intelligence and decision-making. Right. I like how you present it in that pragmatic way, because I don't have to tell you that when it comes to digital intelligence, there is kind of still that idea that it has to be something very specific, like a tool, but really this is about helping to make better decisions. Right. And, and sometimes it's a digital tool. Right. it's a checklist. Sometimes it's something that has yet to be invented and sometimes it's the application of existing technology in a a different environment. So I'll give you a few examples. So we think about what it is that we are good at, what it is that we need, and then we identify partners to build those types of solutions. And although virtually every university has the ability, including ours, to develop internal IP do things like pharmaceutical therapeutic devices. That is not what I do. Um, I do decisions and intelligence. We do an ethnographic scan. So we look and say, what are the challenges that we have? And we think about whether we actually need to be innovative, meaning do we have to create something that's new to the world? Because if we think about the other 4,000 hospitals or 400 systems in the country, and they have solved this problem then I want to know how they've solved it and I want to learn from them and I don't have to reinvent the wheel or the, the algorithm, whichever it may be. Okay. But if it's a challenge for us and it's a challenge for everybody else, th- that's a problem that um, is compelling. So we'll do an environmental scan. We'll look at the, the ecosystem and identify two, three, sometimes more potential partners. Very often the partners will have come to us. Uh, and then we think about who we can work with and we think about what we're good at and what we're good at is that last mile right that pragmatic last mile of delivery so i don't represent that i employ a huge number of data scientists but i have a lot of really great healthcare providers who are willing to change and adopt a new way of doing things i have a healthcare system with a visionary chief information officer and we partner very closely. And we have a single robust instance of an electronic medical record. And that may not right. seem like a, a big deal, but it is actually a big deal. You know, across oh, yeah, our sure. healthcare system, a condition of participation is being on our single instance of EPIC. And, right, right. You know, and we have guiding principles around how we do this sort of thing. And those guiding principles are, whatever it is that we do has to be easier, and not harder. When we're talking about Providers, it has to be the path of least resistance, fewer clicks and not more clicks, and bulletproof, right? And we think about our integrated healthcare system that's linked through this electronic medical record as a, a living, horizontally and vertically integrated electronic validation laboratory. Mm-hmm. So we partner with companies, we develop and build solutions. I have a team of implementation engineers physician informaticists, programmers, healthcare economists, and we think about how to deploy the technology, but very rapidly, and when I say very, it's not an understatement, it's hour to hour, day to day, iterate and validate. So that when I can go to a group of physicians and say, we believe that we have a potential solution to the problem you identified with us, they have fidelity that even if it doesn't work the first time, it is either going to work, or we are going to pull it and say it didn't work. So the concept of valuing clinician and provider input, rapidly iterating, rapidly validating, and having zero qualms about saying this did not work. I'll give a couple examples and you can just ask me more questions. So one of the the examples we looked at was the concept of how challenging it is to order pharmacotherapy, right? Mm. Writing a prescription. That should sound like basic bread and butter healthcare delivery. But the reality is that one-third or almost one-third of all prescriptions written are never picked up at the pharmacy. Oh, wow. There are a lot of reasons for that, but the most common reason and the majority of them that aren't picked up is because the patient actually can't afford that medication Mm. or it's not covered by their insurance company or it's not on their formulary, in addition to making sure that we pick the right drug for the right patient. So we partnered with a company uh, probably three years ago based here in Colorado to see if we can answer that question. So we built a solution that is now actually embedded in the native Epic environment. It was an add-on and then it became so useful to clinicians and Epic recognized that it was such an important solution that we scaled it across our healthcare system. Then we worked with Epic. Now it's scaled across 50 other systems and now it's in Cerner as well. And what it really does is when a clinician writes a prescription, this tool does a real-time check to make sure that it's the right drug and it's covered by the patient's insurance company. So we went from a no-fill rate of, you know, somewhere in the 20 to 30% to almost never no-fill. So that in real-time, if I'm taking care of you and I'm writing you a prescription for a condition for heart failure, If I want you to be on a medication that may be marginally better than another medication and I pick it, but it's going to cost you $50,000 out of pocket, you and I can have a conversation about, hey, look, this medicine is probably a little better for whatever reason, more convenient, et cetera, but your insurance only covers X amount, but I can give you this medication and your insurance covers all of it because it also surfaces alternatives. Right. That's something that on the surface kind of seems like a simple concept, but clearly was not. And that's really interesting to me. So I would imagine that you were able to see results pretty quickly. Very quickly. We would see Mm -hmm. things like, do doctors use it? Do they opt out of it? Is it so user-friendly, which it is now, that they don't even know they're using it? One of our guiding principles is that we will never ask a provider to leave their clinical workflow. So it appears to them as though it's in Epic. Mm -hmm. It is now, but even when we started it appeared as though it was an Epic. It was really on a bunch of Amazon servers in New Jersey, but to the clinician, they couldn't know if it was an Epic or not. So okay. we could measure right away. People are using it, yeah. not using it. People start to use it, don't use it. And then we'd go to the bedside with clinicians and say, how did it work? How did it not work? How can we make it better? And now it's scale. So when we build these solutions, we don't think you know, everybody's like UC Health. We think if it's a problem for us and no one solved it, it's a problem for everybody, but we have to build this thing for customers two through 2,000, not just for us. And that's how we function, and I think that's why we've been successful. Right, and the fact that, as, as you mentioned, it's in place in other health systems and even um, in Cerner really shows that this was a, a big need that needed to be uh, addressed. Yeah, so that's one example. Um, I have a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I can switch into you know, more operational things like scheduling Infusion centers and operating rooms. So, we worked with a company and we also make investments in these companies too. So, we have the ability to make investments so that we have a lot of skin in the game and we can participate in the value creation. The first company is called RX Review, RX R E V U. Um, this okay. company is called Lean Toss. Uh, and this is really, again, intelligence, but intelligence in how you run an organization. So, bringing in process improvement, bringing in AI and helping make better decisions. And we started with infusion centers. And it it may seem like pretty simplistic, but when you have a patient that needs an infusion, the doctors really care about the patient getting the right infusion. Patients care about being comfortable, doing it in a place that's convenient for them and in a timely manner. Meaning if they show up at nine o'clock, it starts at nine, not shows up at nine and it's a two hour delay. So using this technology, we were able essentially to smooth scheduling of infusion centers across a large base, improve efficiency by well over 30%, and actually avoid having to build a new building and hire more people. And then we did the same thing with operating rooms. The reason why infusion centers were a great first step is from a cultural change management perspective. It didn't require providers to act differently and it didn't require patients to act differently. And then we okay. went after operating rooms because operating rooms are one of the single most expensive resources in healthcare. And if we can make that smoother and more efficient, then there's a lot of bang for the buck. And that's where in the middle now, and the preliminary results are pretty impressive, but they're preliminary. This is now in place across the country, not just here. MD Anderson is a customer. University, I think Northwestern is a customer. They're in a lot of places across the country. And we were customer number one or number two.